the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that has never knowingly kept a clean sheet. We shoot first and ask questions later. Among the many things that are not on the buff this week, we investigate Dean Moxie's family history with hilarious results. Michael Ricketts takes us through his best 10 throw-ins. And former referee Trevor Kettle joins us to discuss his love of the funk band Earth, Wind and Fire. But first, do you fancy yourself as a pundit? Do you live and breathe Bolton Wanderers? If the answer is yes, then you might be able to help us with a little project we've got going on at the Bolton News. Uh, if you want to join a small group of supporters every week, and myself, on a video stream, to discuss the action on the pitch, discuss what's happened on Saturday or on a Tuesday night, then drop me a line at thebuffmail at gmail.com or say hello on Twitter at Mark Isles um, and we'll add you to our list. Uh, we had a few people put their hand up last week and so we're looking to get uh, a bank of about a dozen different people, keep it uh, rotation, keep the squad rotation going and then we'll get that project off the ground and have a brand new show directly straight after the game talking about what's going on on the pitch at Wanderers. So remember that, thebuffmail at gmail.com or tweet me at Mark Isles. Now, let's get on with the show. Right, it is time to introduce my podcast co-host and someone who was secretly jealous of that fully grown bloke who was the Bolton Wanderers mascot for the game against Barnsley. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. They could have got him a, a, a shirt, a, like a this season's shirt, or they could have had him announce the... He could have announced the brand new limited edition shirt. How great would that have been? This guy who was, what, he must have been in his, I, I mean, I had to say 30s, but I don't want to, I only saw a grainy picture of him, so he could be in his 20s, <laughs> so apologies. But yeah, I mean, how great would that have been to announce that? But I did uh, I did think that they missed the trick not making James Trafford hold his hand now. That would have been absolutely amazing. Um, I looked down and I'm thinking, have, have my eyes gone here? Because there was a, a tiny little lad who was also out there on the pitch and then this big, big whopping fella. Um, I wasn't sure whether he'd done it for a, a stag do or a birthday or what have you. But uh, uh, spoiler alert, Henry, uh, you're going to be leading the team out on Boxing Day. Oh, great. Um, oh, we, we played Derby, so a full stadium. That'd be, that won't be embarrassing at all. In an, in an extra small Bolton Evening News green shirt, I think. For a big... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, hey, look, it's, it's Ben. Ben's on the pitch. <laughs> uh, right, let's talk about uh, what's gone on this week. And let's face it, it's, it, it's, been, a, it's been a strange week, really, because actually it started uh, with, with a nil-nil draw that... There was a lot of dissatisfaction around after that one. I'm not really sure, you know, whether the result was necessarily a, a bad one against a team like Barnsley, but probably just the fact that it was a third game without a goal. On the flip side, Bolton Wanderers have now conceded eight goals in 13 games. They've never managed to do that before at this stage of the season. So, uh, is your glass half empty? Is your glass half full? Or have you just got water all over the floor? Um. Is I, I don't think there's water on the floor, and it's more half full to be honest. But um, yeah, I, I think there was a few boos at the end of the yeah. the match. But I I genuinely feel, and 
obviously being in the crowd and hearing what people were saying. I think that was more booing, uh, a mixture of booing the referee plus Barnsley's antics. I don't think people were necessarily booing um, Bolton's performance or uh, the fact that we didn't score. I think it was more frustration at that, especially in the last minute when we're on the counter-attack and um, one of our players decided to sit down. But, um, (laughs) yeah, which... You know, the, the thing is, you, you look at, and uh, Ian Everett's right, it is a compliment. It's a compliment that these teams like Peterborough and Barnsley uh, are, um, you know, are, are, are pulling these tricks, are, are trying to come to Bolton and, and get a draw uh, because it, it's a difficult place to go. It is, you know, I would like to have seen those teams, considering that we're going to be challenging with them for a playoff spot, I would like to have seen them come out and try and win the game. Maybe we'll get that with Barnsley in the in the cup game but like um it is a compliment but at the same time it is so frustrating and on the flip side if we're at london road or oakwell and we're up against it and trying to you know hold on to a draw do i see many of our players pulling the same tricks i don't so maybe that's part of this bolton wanderers needing to toughen up a bit that we need to uh bring a few of the dark arts in and there certainly was some dark arts. I mean, some of the time wasting was absolutely amazing towards the end. And I was quite surprised by Barnsley because, you know, they, they just dropped down from the championship. They were a place above Bolton at the start of play. Um, and, and I would have thought uh, quite a reasonable team, but they didn't really offer much, uh, for me at least, I thought. And when they got drawn out in the <laughs> FA Cup... Exactly the same game. I mean, can you can you actually? I mean, we, we took the Mickey out of Crew beforehand, as if nobody wanted Crew because Bolton always seemed to get Crew. But actually, looking back, I actually quite fancied a game against Crew in comparison. Yeah, I noticed Barnes they finished second in their Papa John's group as well, so we all know what's going to happen in that draw. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was a bit. Especially when you, you know, when you watch the draw and they always do it, don't they, at round one in some, um, you know, the back end of nowhere in some, you know, club that's not been in the, the FA Cup for 100 years or something. Alpha and, Church, uh, weren't they? The Alpha Church, then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, the draw comes out, Bolton's name comes out, the first big team, and everyone, you can hear everyone in the the sort of porter cabin or whatever they're in going, oh, this is exciting, oh, and it's Barnsley. And even... <laughs> I mean, people sighed at that, uh, you know, at the actual draw. I'm sure you could hear the sighs from both Bolton and Barnsley there as well. Um, yeah, it was just a bit underwhelming, wasn't it? But, you know, we saw last year, didn't we? We got a, a non-league team and, and ended up getting humbled. So maybe it's a, a good opportunity to uh, to get a win. Uh, I'm sure Barnsley will, will rest a few players. Um whether their full squad is as good as ours or I've got more in-depth than ours, I don't know. So maybe it's a, an opportunity to go through and uh, and then see who we get in rounds two. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the scream of anguish from the Isles household was pretty pronounced. But actually, I've managed to negotiate our Oldham reporter. Uh, Oldham drew Wrexham away. So I've managed to potentially swap games on that weekend. So I might, ju- uh-huh. I might go and moonlight as an Oldham reporter um, and go and shake hands with Deadpool whilst uh, while Suzanne comes over and uh, chats to Michael Duff about why Luca Cannell spent 25 minutes trying to wind up fans that had no axe to grind against him. Um, what did you make of that young man's uh, afternoon? Because in the build-up for me, 
there was no real animosity. There was, a, there was a little bit of controversy about his move at the time, but probably more to do with the amount of money that Bolton got as opposed to anything that he'd done, uh, uh, done wrong um, when he moved to Celtic. During the game, I didn't think there was a great deal of, of booing or jeering when he got the ball. He seemed to have a point to prove. He was shooting from halfway. You know, he was rushing passes. I think he managed to, to complete 10 on the, the day completely. He didn't really have a great game and ended up getting subbed. But it was when he got subbed, I'll let you take on the story. Yeah, well, I, I noticed that when his number came up, I think, uh, well, I, I say this, it happened most of the game, but one of our players was on the floor anyway. Um, and uh, he took the opportunity to, he, he noticed his number come up. So he turned his back and went to walk towards the centre circle and then uh, sort of shrugged in sort of, uh, I don't know, Stan Laurel kind of fashion, scratching his head. But, oh, I've been subbed? <laughs> uh, yeah, which obviously Bolton players didn't didn't like and tried to rush him off the pitch. But, um, yeah, it was, it was weird because I thought... You know, I, yeah, he didn't have a, a great game, but I, I thought there were elements there of of what he was trying to do. Where I thought, actually, you know, he, he looks a half decent player, and I'm glad for him that his sort of Celtic nightmare is over and he can mm. reignite his career at, at Barnsley. Um, but uh, but yeah, he was a bit of a bit of a pest, wasn't he? And um, you know, I'm sure he'll 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 play in the return match now. Uh, in the cup, and I'm sure he'll be pulling the same antics again. I noticed uh, somebody had got the the at the end of the game that he kind of he offered Ian ever a fight outside, didn't he? At, at one point, um, apparently so. Apparently so. There was certainly some needle between the pair, but I mean, what a, what a strange hill to die on. But you know, whatever, mm. whatever. If uh, if that's if that's wait, give me something to write about in the build up to the FA Cup game. There's bugger all else to be completely frank with you. Um, so yeah, yeah, we we moved on. It was it was a, a kind of unsatisfying nil nil draw, but like football always does, brings you another game, something else to talk about. And Leeds United's kids were in town for the old Papa John's Trophy, and Bolton had to win to go through to guarantee that they go through in first place, and they did, and they won quite handsomely in the end, three nil. Goals, which we've not seen many of. I know nobody will count it because it's in the Papa John's Trophy, but there were goals and. Players did score them, so so they do go into this weekend feeling that they're they're at least not going off the back of a barren run. Um, what did you make of the game? Uh, uh, well, what did you make of the first fifteen minutes of the game? Watching it on iFollow. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Leeds had a few chances, but I didn't really um, pay much attention to it because I was more intrigued with the commentary that was coming through uh, from Bolton <laughs> FM. Uh, bless you know, bless Chris. He was he did say a few times that um, he said I'm trying my best. I don't know what to do, and you did feel for him. Uh, and then yeah, Derek came in like a a white knight on a, a noble steed that is his uh, mobile phone. Which credit to him for getting signal and a proper proper network. I don't know what network he's on, but uh, I'll be certainly joining him when my phone contracts up. Um, and he, yeah, he, he came on, but it was funny because Chris is, Chris is obviously uh, in the studio, and he's like a minute behind the action. Yet Derek comes on on his phone, and he is actually spot on with the action. So, um, so yeah, it, it was it was funny. Whether you know that's it kind of summed up the Papa John's trophy, doesn't it? You know, it's, uh, especially when you're playing a Leeds youth team. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I was wondering what Derek was doing, climbing up onto the roof of the stadium and uh, <laughs> and, and, and you, trying to find a signal. Yeah. He's, got his, he's got his phone in the top. He's like, "Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, can you can you hear me now? <laughs> I'm on a bus." <laughs> <laughs> no, he did a did a quality job. I, I feel for Chris, and we had a laugh about it when we went to the uh, press conference on on Wednesday. Um, he said basically it was a button that wasn't pushed, um, and it would have all been fixed with just the push of a button. But hey, you live and learn. You live and learn. Um, and we did enjoy the uh, the night in the end. Really, um, I thought Leeds looked pretty smart. I thought some of their kids, um, which I think uh, not to give too much away, but I think. I wasn't the only one taken by um, some of the technical ability of, of some of the Leeds players. And um, we spoke to Ian Everts about some of them. And he said they are on his radar and he's, he's, he's taken a couple of notes over, over a couple of the players that were, that were on show there. But experience told in the end and, you know, Bolton won the game 3-0. Deservedly so. Second half was, was one way really, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I mean, the, the only disappointment for me was that we didn't score more goals. I thought the, mm. the goals were, to, were put were put away well. Uh, obviously, Bob Varsons and sadly as uh, were, but, you know, Bakayoko getting in that position and following up um, is something that I, I I don't think he's done much of this season. So it was refreshing to see, see him do that. But, um, yeah, I, I feel that we're getting in, you know, the some... What Bolton do really well, and it's how we got the goal actually from Bud Varson, is we 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 really good at getting players in behind the fullbacks mm. um, and crossing it in. I just felt that yeah, the East Grove's pass to Bud Varson was great, but in the second half it happened quite a few times, and we just and it happened against Barnsley as well. We're not hitting a striker; we kind of playing it across as a hit and hope, and it's the defenders are getting in the way, or it's going through the middle of everyone and going out for a throw in or mm. that sort of stuff. So I would like to see us, and I think if on uh, if on Tuesday we would have hit our men a bit more in that sort of area, we would have scored five or six. But at the same time, I'm sure I wouldn't have been the only person that if we would have won six now on Tuesday would have been very frustrated and felt like we could have saved some of the goals for league games. <laughs> you can't win. You can't win. <laughs> um, right, OK. Well, we're going to talk about a few of the, the more technical aspects of that game and some of the players who did their prospects of a start at Aki no harm whatsoever in a little section that I like to call headlines. <laughs> So, Henry, you've dug out some of the top stories from this week, and well, not the ones that you've not even seen yet. Actually, you're just gonna you're just gonna talk about them. You're, you're so far ahead of the game that you are you are forecasting headlines in the Bolton news. Uh, Bolton win at Accrington, Mark. What what's that headline? It was a great game. It was really was a great game. I couldn't believe that uh, that John Coleman turned up in a two-two. It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> Um, and then there was a huge, giant human pyramid behind the goal in the away end, which also uh, took my eye. Um, right, enough silliness. Let's let's get on to headlines. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking of Accrington, uh, it's going to be a. It's always a tasty game when we go to Accrington. Yes. I've got to say, I, I really hope that we at least score a goal this time because I think the only goal we scored was uh, Daryl Murphy's 
uh, in the seven-one defeat, which uh, I, I, I've only just remembered happened. I think a lot of people have <laughs> forgotten about that. Um, but uh, a bit of feistiness because, uh, of course, Dion Charles is going back to his former club, and, and James Trafford as well. Yeah, two two people that will probably be remembered very differently at Accrington, I think, because Traff's loan was quite a short one. It was quite uneventful. I don't think he really did himself justice there. Um, and it's fair to say that since he came back from Accrington, his career has moved on a pace. Um, we've seen a, a couple of graphs and stats and such. Like, obviously, we know he's part of the, the meanest defence in League One. We've only conceded eight times in 13 games, but there's all sorts of stats out there that, that show what a good job he has done this season so far. Um, and Dion is, is slightly different. Dion Charles, of course, scored 20 goals for Accrington last season. Um, all the talk about 20-goal strikers, there's one that did, did one at Accrington as well, by the way. Uh, it's right there. So he was a darling there. Obviously, he was doing really, really well. Then there was some dispute over a contract. There was a lot of... You know, a lot of mixed messages going around there as to what had happened, what sort of disagreement he'd had or not had with John Coleman, the manager, what promises he'd given the club or not given them. I know, I know Dion's particularly disappointed with the way it was reported. Um, but uh, he goes back, nevertheless, for the first time. Um, and, and I would imagine he's going to get a, a fair old... I mean, it's, it's, it is a loud place. There's not many fans there at Accrington, we know that. But it is a loud place. It can. It is quite a raucous atmosphere. So I think it's going to be quite tasty. Yeah, it it, it is. You know, behind that goal is they seem to have. Uh, you know, they do get. Uh, I think it does help, but it's um, it's terracing as well. I think it does get a bit like that. Uh, but I mean, on Dion's side, he's got to remember that he has two side, two stands of a stadium that he's going to be full of Bolton fans. So. Um, it's not as it could be more raucous, but uh, yeah, this is the thing. There's only one way to to shut the fans up, and that's score. And he, he didn't manage to do it um, when we played them at home last year, but we still won. But uh, yeah, for Dion, who is uh, who's desperate for a goal at the moment, and one from open play in particular, uh, hopefully this uh, this is the perfect place for him to do it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an interesting character, Dion, and, and I've I've said it a couple of times. Strikers tend to be um, a little bit of a different breed. You see, I mean, they, you know, you see these tropes develop in certain positions. People say about keepers being mad or, you know, centre-halves being rough and ready and all that kind of stuff. But actually, a lot of strikers have an, an attitude about them. Um, I, I, you know, big-headedness potentially or, you know, a bit of a chip on the shoulder type of thing. And Dion's definitely one of them. You know, you can tell he's got a bit of needle about him. And he plays like that, doesn't he? He kind of plays mm. that kind of prickly, you know, pest type of uh, type of player. He's always, he works so, so hard. Um, but I would hate to mark him. I would hate to be marketing because he'd be all, <laughs> he'd be all up in your face all the time. Um, and I get the feeling that he really fancies, you know, showing Accrington a little bit, proving a point to Accrington. Whether that's good or bad in a build-up to a game, whether that clouds your judgment, I don't know. I think it'd be more dangerous if if James Trafford were thinking that way, because I think with goalkeepers, the kind of the focus is is very much it's all about concentration and, and trying to eliminate the noise. I think with with strikers, it might be a bit easier to use that as motivation, and I hope that does happen with Dion. 
Um, I hope he does get that goal and a, and a chance to put a couple of uh, exercise, a couple of ghosts as we come into Halloween season. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a really intriguing game. We we know it's been a, a dreadful place to go for Bolton in the past. That 7-1 game, I, 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 I genuinely was laughing towards the end of it. I was, I was delirious. It was so terrible that I was just shaking my head and just giggling into my computer because it was just absolutely tragic what was happening on the pitch. And it just summed up the, the kind of the mood at the time, really. It was just, it was farcical. But thankfully, club has moved on. They go there in a lot, lot better frame of mind and a lot better condition as well this weekend. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, and speaking of uh, better condition... Um... Lloyd Isgrove is obviously back in the first team contention. He got his assist on Tuesday night. And uh, could we see a start for him? He offers something a bit different, doesn't he, down the wing? First of all, excellent segue. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, look, is, uh, I, I, nearly, I nearly picked up on the point before when you were talking about the crossing um, and Isgrove's ball into Bodvarsson for that first goal against Leeds. Isgrove is the only out-and-out winger that Bolton have got. And I know that he's been converted, as most wingers nowadays have, because you don't really tend to get too many wingers. He's been converted into this kind of right wing back. Um, but actually, he is probably the only player that, that will go and he'll beat a man. And he'll go and he'll go down, a, down the line in the old-fashioned sense, you know, the kind of David Lee sense, where he'll go and beat a man for pace. And it's really, really... When you've watched Bolton quite as much as, as we all have and, and kind of studied this style of play that he never brought in. It's actually quite a jolt watching this really direct player. He's very different to Bradley. Bradley doesn't often go on the outside, doesn't often he'll often come inside and you'll see him, you know, furthest man forward sometimes he'll be playing centre forward. Um Isgrove's very, very different and he's he's got that kind of scurrying style that really sticks out. And I think it will be an interesting uh it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I mean obviously he's only just coming back from injury. It is a big ask to throw him straight in against Accrington this weekend, but he's got a chance. He certainly did enough on Tuesday night to suggest he's he's back and he's he's fit. Um two games in a week is, is a lot, but they, they did bring him off quite early in the game. Um but it'd be interesting to see whether or not they can now use that in the same way as they've got those options on the left hand side, different types of players, Iredale, uh, Declan John and, and Owen Beck. Whether or not the fact that you've got Lloyd Disgrove and Connor Bradley now on the right hand side, horses for courses, maybe there are different. You know, if they've got a weaker fullback um, that that maybe doesn't like people running at him, maybe is he's the man. Yeah, well, you look at Isgrove and Sheehan. Obviously, we put them together because they had similar in well, similar length of time yeah, out with injuries. Yeah. Uh, and you look and think, well, it's going to be tough for Sheehan because that centre midfield area is very clogged at the moment. We've got a lot of good players there. Whereas for Isgrove, you think, well, yeah, he's he's kind of, you know, it's, it's him or Bradley in a way. Maybe, uh, you know, he stuck Jones there when we've needed, you know, against uh, Cheltenham. But, um, yeah, you think the, the route's back to the first 11. OK, you're probably going to pick Bradley more than Isgrove because he's playing so well. But I think, uh, yeah, the the route for Isgrove is a lot shorter and a lot less congested than, than Sheehan. But... Uh, he does offer something different. We saw against Tramia when he came on, you know, he was his running was there. He was tracking back. He was winning the ball. And he's, uh, yeah, he's um, he's someone who I think Isgrove has got a point to prove, especially at this level. 
you know, we know he can do it at yeah. League Two. He showed that for Swindon as well. Um, I thought he was doing okay before his injury last year. So he's clearly come back and thought, right, I want to get back in the team. I want to show what I can do at this level. And he's uh, so far so good in what I've seen. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and he'll be one that does uh, does fancy playing against Barnsley as well because he had a lot of success there. I know speaking to the Barnsley lads at the weekend, they were uh, full of praise uh, for him. And indeed the Leeds guys as well, who used to work at Barnsley. Um, everybody loves Lloyd Isgrove. Like, everybody does. I don't, don't know anybody that's got a bad word to say about Lloyd Isgrove. It's, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, let's have another headline. Um, right, looking at the... Uh, this is... Well, a, a few players... I'm trying to do a good segue here because you complimented me last one. No, sorry, one, you've, but, you've, set uh, the, you've set the bar too high now. Just Let's just crack on. I know. Well, I used to work in radio. It's what I do. But um, no, it's, uh, it's about the... Uh, if everyone loves Lloyd Grove, everyone hates our strikers at the moment um, uh, because they're not scoring goals. And uh, I think that's... You could tell on Saturday, uh, Charles had a chance in the first minute, which was a good mm. save from the goalie. And then he had a similar kind of opportunity uh, about half an hour later and he decided to to try and do a one-two from the edge of the area which didn't work out and as a result um, you know I think a few of the fans got frustrated with it so Ian Everett says they've not turned into bad players overnight is it as he said a case that we need a ball a goal to go in off Dion Charles's uh, well manhood <laughs> by the way uh, if Sky Bet are listening I would love to get some odds on uh on on the the man himself doing that um yeah yeah i i mean it's the old cliche isn't it you take you take any sort of goal to uh, to get yourself going they as well, as well as all the other characteristics i said there about about dion about most strikers it, they are confidence players and no matter how well you're playing in general um and and kachunga being a really good example of this his his overall game, if you take out anything in the penalty box, has been terrific. It, you know, the, the pressing, what he's being asked to do is as good as anybody else on there. But unfortunately, it's those headline statistics, the goals, and to a degree, I think the assists as well nowadays, people can, can give you a bit of leeway if you're creating goals. But it's those goals that you are measured on. And, you know, maybe that's not always the fairest thing I mean you know for years we we looked at Kevin Davis and, and everybody appreciated what Kevin Davis did for the team his goal ratio was not good at all but can you judge a striker purely on goal ratio fairly I'm not sure you can um, his you know Kevin Davis's worth to the team was was much much more than than putting the ball in the back of the net and I'd say that that, that is the same for some of these players here a lot of people are quick to say they have not got historically a great goal-scoring record. Now, Dion did score 20 goals for, for Rackerington. Um, others, Bodvarsson, uh, Amadou Bakayoko, you know, maybe double figures, a dozen goals is the best that they've managed. They've also probably not played at this level of football as well, so you might well expect a little bit more from from, from in that respect. But I think at the moment, they need to get that stat off their back they need to start putting in a couple more and I think it's fair it's fair criticism that Bolton are getting in the right areas they are getting plenty of touches in the penalty box as you mentioned before those kind of when they break through behind the, the wing back that seems to happen quite a lot and then the ball gets fed back out again and it's quite frustrating sometimes that there isn't more of a punch at the end of it um, and I think Ian Everett 
put put it. We, we we were talking about it on Wednesday, and, and he he basically says we're we're trying to win on points rather than knock somebody out. Um, you know, it's 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 more of a, a slow death than a quick kill at the moment, and then that's that's well put to be honest. It does feel a little mm. bit like Bolton are choking teams, but there's not just that that punch at the end of it that, that finishes everything off. And, and that's what the bolt, that's what the strikers, that's what somebody has got to supply. And, and if you're going to be up there and winning these really tight games, that's what you've got to have. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I think part of it as well for the fans is that what we saw at the end of last season, you know, if you look at the last, um, well, the last half of the season after January, you know, Bakioko was scoring a lot of goals. Bud Varson came in and scored six or seven. Charles had a great start and then didn't score for about 10 games, I don't think, but then ended the season on the last game well. Um, ironically, I think Afalayan was the only one who wasn't really scoring in that time. And I don't think anyone's actually looking at Afalayan at the moment and thinking, oh, he needs to score more goals. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's probably... See, you know, we saw a great end to the season, and we thought it was going to come back in at this time. But you've got to look on the other end and think, well, we conceded a lot of goals last season, and we're not this time. So um, it does seem at the moment that we do, uh, we're we're going to be okay in terms of not conceding goals and then getting at least a nil-nil. But you, you know, if you're going to get promoted, you do need to start putting the ball in the back of the net, and it, it will happen. I trust it will happen because they they're all good players. Um, but it's just, yeah, just a bit frustrating at the moment. But hopefully, whether it happens on Saturday or we wait for Burton or Oxford or whatever, I think we are due to give a team a good hiding. And I think the strikers, it will be that sort of feast and famine kind of situation. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same voices, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, when when you're scoring goals as Bolton were towards the end of last season, and still shipping them, and there was those. You know the mistakes, and you were talking about lapses of concentration, and 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 there was all these calls for well, you know, we should be building off clean sheets, and and you know the, the pragmatic kind of Phil Parkinson esque Sam Allardyce style, where you know it's built from the back and all that kind of stuff, and then you kind of do get that, and we have seen that with Bolton in the past uh, thirteen games, you do get that, and then all of a sudden it's. You know, the, the team isn't being creative enough. There aren't enough creative players in the team. There's not enough finishes in the team. You do. I mean, you, you must sometimes, as a, as a football manager, just feel like you can't win, really. No. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. And, uh, and it, you know, the it's... Yeah, it, it will happen, of course it will. But ironically, it will probably happen. We'll get a 4-3 and then uh, start conceding lots of goals. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, you know, they, they are good players. They proved that, especially last season. And uh, I think it will, um, you know, it will it will happen for them. But um, this actually brings us on to our next story. And uh, Kieran Sadlier, he scored again at the uh, on Tuesday night. He scored in every Papa John's game we've had so far this season. He's actually proved that as a, a player coming off the bench, he is a, a, an outlet to try and get us a goal. Um, and now after his goal the other night where he rounded the keeper and put it in, he's actually come out and said, actually, I'd like a shot up front um, to see what I can do. So do you think that would work, could work? Do you think, sadly, is going to be the answer to all our problems? Whether it's the answer to all the problems, I'm, I'm not sure, because you've got a, a, a rotor of strikers. There's, there's, a, there's a lot to, to juggle. 
Um, but I mean, we've said for a while, haven't we? It, it, it seems such a such a waste of talent for Kieran Sadlier not to be able to command some more game time, really, to get more starts than he's been having. Now, you know, the way that he's been used as a right wing back cover for Connor Bradley, one who can also play on the left hand side when necessary. Ian Everts talked about him being able to offer something slightly more attacking in the latter stages of games. I'm sure that's not very fulfilling for Kieran Sadlier, who obviously came to Bolton to play more games than he did at Rotherham. He's already managed more goals than he did at Rotherham. And that's from precious little game time, at least from start the start of matches. So I can understand it. Apparently he did play in the number nine position for Doncaster, which I think was one of his most successful spells of his career as well. So... I, if I were him, I'd be throwing my hat into every single ring bar in goal. I mean, actually, I think I'd, I'd also be doing goalkeeper training as well. Uh, <laughs> because it obviously doesn't have one on, uh, anybody on the bench. Um, I'd love to know who is actually doing that. And we, we seem to suggest it might be Aaron Morley. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with, with, with Sads, I, I think he's got lots, lots to admire there. Uh, whether or not he's got the ability to do the pressing and the defensive game as weird as that sounds for a, for a striker that's probably the big hurdle for him and I think he's probably got to prove that to Ian Everett and his coaching staff before he becomes a regular but having that extra string to your bow there's nothing wrong with that at all what about you uh, yeah I, I I think I do feel for Sadlier because he I don't think he's necessarily come on and done a bad job in any games. He's mm. scoring goals, which we're not doing at the moment, but I just he's not getting the opportunities and he's um you know, maybe it's a, a curse that his his kind of position is being filled at the you know, well, we said last year, didn't he? He didn't really have a position because he, he filled in at right back when Fossey got injured and did very well. But then you've got Bradley who's he was going to play. So it's like, well, what does Sadlier do? Does he float just behind the strikers? But then Napa Lions doing that and we're, we're quite chocker in that area. So maybe he's looking and going, yeah, well, give me a shot up front. And let's face it, you know, if you, you know, I, I don't know if Sadlier, whether he could do it on a tight pitch, whether he's one for, if it's nil-nil against Burton in with half an hour mm. to go, you put him in that position. But, you know, I'm willing to try anything at the moment to try and get us, uh, get us some goals. Yeah, yeah. Give us another headline then. Uh, well, this is uh, this came out on Tuesday um, about Declan John. I saw it on social media. But a few people saying who who were at the game that they saw him um, throw a bit of a wobbly after he got uh, subbed. I mean, can you tell us more about it? Uh, did he actually throw a wobbly? Did he never go down the tunnel and bring him back to sit with the subs? Well. One thing I can tell you is I didn't see anything live because we in the press box. Are very high up in the same stance. We're facing out onto the pitch behind the dugout. So anything that goes on in the tunnel isn't really... We're not at a very good vantage point. But obviously the fans and the Papa John's Trophy game were all over in the Knopf House stand, so they were facing directly at it. So they had the better view in that respect. Obviously, some well, clearly something's happened because there were six or seven different people that all asked me what had happened. Um, straight after the game. So, clearly something has been spotted. So, we asked Ian Everts. Ian Everts played a bit of an Arsene Wenger and said, I didn't really see it. But he did add, you know, it's not about Declan John. We, we needed to give Owen Beck some minutes. Um, 
it's not the first time, of course, that anything like this has, has kind of bubbled up. And we talked about the potential of Declan John leaving in January because of, of plans to bring him back or or you know, whether or not he was not first choice now that Jack Iredale is in. Let's say January. Uh, sorry, the, the, the start of the, the, the transfer window in summer. Um, so, you know, sometimes you wonder whether there's smoke without fire. Um, Ian Everett has played it down significantly. He's, he says there's there's no real there's no issues and that he's been he's been working hard on the training ground. So I suppose we're just gonna have to keep an eye on it. But I, I you know it's no that look no no play likes being taken off and, and particularly if you're in Declan John's situation and you're trying to get a niche in the team, you're trying to get ahead of Iredale again. Um, I thought he played quite well um, when he came on and started the other day in the league. And then Idale comes back in. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's some people take to squad rotation better than others. You could argue that, that Declan's had a bit of a shorthand so far. Um, so I, I hope I hope not, because I mean, we've said before, haven't we? He's, he brings something different to the table. He's good to watch when he's playing well. Yeah, he is. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, I, I think he has been... You know, it is a shame for him because we thought when Idale was coming in, we thought, oh, well, he'll be uh, second choice to Declan John. It's up to him to try and get him out of the team, and he has done. And I think Idale's done okay. I think he's he's crossing. He's better than Declan John's. Um, he offers more, uh, you know, physically in the air because of his height. He's, he's taller than him as well. But I do like Declan John. I think he's a good player, and he's uh, maybe he's more technically better on on the ground. So, uh, yeah, I do feel for him and I get it as well. He, he played a big part in the League Two team. He played a big part last season as well and if he feels he's been frozen out a bit and he's he's getting the odd chance here and there and, and not being able to stamp his mark on it, then you would be frustrated and this is another casualty of this, you know, new Bolton where we've got this squad and I know the manager said that he wants to use you know, no one's going to be playing a run of games. Maybe not, you know, unless you're James Trafford. No one's going to be playing loads of games for us, um, especially in the front areas of the pitch and going forward. And you know, he's probably a number of players that I feel a bit frustrated at the moment because they're not playing as much as they like. The other, the other thing is that last season, uh, I think Declan John came in for a bit of stick at times that his defensive game wasn't necessarily his strong point that he was better going forward and I think towards the end of last season in the last uh, 10 or so games I think he was one of Bolton's better players because they were very much on the front foot they weren't having to do too much defending and you know the results were were going quite well Um, but it's strange that Bolton have developed this this uh, coping mechanism they're better defensively whether that's more defensive, I suppose, is out to out to question whether they're actually playing more defensively. But they're certainly defending better as a team, and Declan John hasn't been part of it. So it's it, again, you you kind of looking at that balance between attacking, creative, free flowing football, and the more disciplined, uh, high pressing strategy that they've they've had in this this season, and which is maybe not quite as productive in front of goals. So. It's always a balancing job. Yeah, exactly. Um, now moving on to the next, uh, the next uh, headline, and it's a, this is a bit of a good one. I've noticed a lot of people getting very excited. Uh, the club have announced that they've got a, a kit 
that we will be wearing against Barnsley in the FA Cup to celebrate um, 100 years since our first FA Cup triumph against West Ham. And uh, not only Bolton fans, but a lot of football fans really praised it. I had a few texts from mates saying this is uh, this is a great kit. And uh, yeah, a lot of people getting excited about it. Absolutely, absolutely. And we, me and, me and Dan went into the club shop uh, on Wednesday, yesterday, uh, to go and have a real close look at it and the box that it comes in and, and have a, a gander at some of the other little items that they've created for the 100th anniversary. And it really is smart, I have to say. It's a very, very smart kit. Obviously, there's no sponsor, which I think has been roundly applauded. Um, it, it amazes me that clubs don't do special edition no sponsor kits anyway, because I think uh, mm. I think they would be a big seller. But the the look of it is great, and obviously, going back to the twenties, you had that kind of that that collar and the lace tie up at the front there, and the the old style badge with the elephant, and then the kind of uh, the, the the shield crest as well. Um, it all looks really good, and it comes in a it comes in a nice box with all the detail of the nineteen twenty three White Horse FA Cup final on as well. They've uh, they've made a ball, which has got all the bits on. That's sold out at the minute, I'm told. So they're going to get some more of those in. Uh, the cups have sold out as well. The, the They've got scarves in there that, that have got 100th anniversary on there. So they're making a bit of a fuss of it. And let's face it, as far as iconic football games go, not just for Bolton Wanderers, but for English football, that game really does deserve to have something said of it. Bolton obviously couldn't, uh, couldn't guarantee that it was going to happen in two, 2023, i.e. the 100th anniversary, because you know, that would be the third round. Who knows whether Bolton are going to get that far. So they've had to kind of press the button in the first round. And, uh, well, they, they were they were bricking themselves a little bit that they were going to end up with uh, with a team that also wears white, I suppose. Yes, uh, I, I did tweet. I, I commented on the the announcement saying, good job we didn't draw Paul Vale away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it had to be done. This is, this is the... It was the twenty two twenty three season, wasn't it, that yeah. we won the FA yeah. Cup? So it had to be done with this one. And yeah, unfortunately, that the club is not in the position as it was in nineteen yeah nineteen twenty three, um, where we are possibly one of the favourites to win the competition. Mm. Uh, we are unfortunately are not. So yeah, they've got to do it with this. Um, but yeah, it is. It's very smart. I, I really like it. Um, you know, I've got one. I've got one on the way. Uh, so, um, you're rolling so, yeah, in money, you Henry. You are rolling in it. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a very cold, very uh, cheap Christmas in the Hewitt household <laughs> uh, this year. But um, no, it's, um, it's it's great, and it's great that as a football club we've got the history to be able to do this. You know, I had a joke with my um, a mate of mine who's a Norwich City fan, and I said, "Well, we'll see in a uh, hundred years what you want to do for the." Uh, the anniversary of you getting promoted for the third time and then relegated again because uh, they've never won the FA Cup. But yeah, it's, it's great. It looks great. And uh, a lot, a few people saying that they'd like to see a return for that badge. What do you think? Are you in this world that we're now in where clubs are rebranding? Would you, would you see Bolton going back to the old badge? Oh, do you know what? I mean, no, probably not. Probably not because... And, and this is very boring. I, and this, I can't believe I'm going to bring this into it. But actually, the the shape of them, graphically speaking, when you are creating graphics and such like, some of the badges that are round are fine, 
the badges that are not round can be a nightmare to sort out. And I think it's all about commercial branding and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Lincoln City, for example, have got that horrible gothic imp. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. You can't use it on anything at all. Uh, and it looks really bad um, when you, you try to use it alongside rounder badges. So more teams are moving to that kind of rounder crest so that they can use it and make, make, uh, make all the official documents look nice and tidy. Um, but uh, no, I'm saying no. I'm glad they got rid of the ribbons. I was really happy they got rid of the ribbons because they used to drive me nuts um, dangling down over every single headline and page that I had. Uh, but uh, since they moved to this round one, I'm happy with it. Don't tinker. No more tinkering, please. Yeah, I've, I, I do think we've, the only thing about Bolton's that annoys me, and it's not necessarily anything Bolton do, it's that Sky used the white one. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, like the the official badge that's on the kit, that is on the, uh, on, on the stadium, is blue with a red, um, you know, the red Lancashire Rose. Mm-hmm. Use that sky. Don't use the white one. I'm sick of seeing the white one. That's not our badge. No, they do send out though Bolton a black one, a white one, and a multicoloured one as part of their kind of like official use because uh, against certain backdrops. Oh, again, I'm boring myself. Stop talking. <laughs> stop talking about colours and fonts. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, well, just a, just a quick one on the the kit as well. I noticed um, a few people were complaining about the price of it, and ah, yeah, yeah. you know, it reminded me of something you said last year when we were talking about kits and, um, you know, I know there's a few Twitter pages, for example, that do concept kits where it's great. Oh, this, this is a, a Reebok concept kit. Look how amazing this is. And you pointed out at the time that if clubs have uh, go to Macron and say, this is the design we want, it costs a lot more to produce than it does if Macron do it. So that's probably why Bolton have gone to Macron and say, can you do us this kit? And as a result, it's cost that much. So if you're happy to pay that much, which I don't think people would be if it wasn't a limited edition, uh, then Bolton could have their own design, their own kit. But um, but until then, no, you've got to stick with Macron's. Is that right? Was that no, that's ever... precisely right, yeah. precisely right. Obviously, they've worked uh, hand in hand with Macron for this one. They obviously issued it in a in a box, so it's it's slightly slightly different than a normal kit would be anyway. But still, at seventy five pounds, it is a lot of money. It is a lot of money, and they're only going to wear it once. So it is designed as a collector's item. Um, exactly the point you make about bespoke kits. It's all very well being able to draw it on Microsoft Paint or whatever you use um, to, to to make everything look spiffing and having all these blackout kits and such like. But actually, it, it's a commercial consideration. Do you sell enough kits, your main kit, to warrant having that kind of out there, out there design? We know next season, for example, they're going to uh, produce this third kit. So that is a step in the right direction. It obviously means that, you know, uh, commercially Bolton are doing better. They're selling more kits. So obviously that they get the chance to, to be that little bit more experimental. They're going to have that third kit, which apparently is going to be a bit more of a jazzy design. We're talking about maybe that it could be that hot pink thing that we saw in the, the vote for the away kit. Um, which would be really interesting to see how it goes. But I guarantee they're not going to be they're not going to be producing that en masse sort of like you know 10,000 different shirts because they're not going to sell that many that's the simple truth the the thing is I think this season they've shown that that blue designers has sold really well and I think they need to concentrate on on making sure that they've got kits that are going to sell as opposed to trying to be too clever with it 
Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's the reason why. But I, I think I think they've only made a thousand, nearly two thousand. So I think they'll they'll probably sell out. Um, right. Finally, it's uh, on the lighter side of news. This is it. And finally for Bolton <laughs> and uh, Ian Everett is uh, well. How can we put it? Ian Everett is um, Ian Everett has told the world about uh, Kyle Dempsey's slow sw- swollen melons at the moment. <laughs> Plums. <laughs> Plums. Uh, yeah, 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 that's... Um, so, what can you tell us about this? Plums, nuts, beans, I don't know, <laughs> berries, uh, whatever. Well, they, yeah. they, well, by the sounds of it, they are the size of melons <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's, it was good to see uh, Kyle Dempsey see the funny side of it as well. But I think he uh, he liked my article the other night. Um, yes, uh, we asked for some team news. We really did get it this week. So uh, not only has uh, John uh, Dadipud Varsen trained again since rolling his ankle and uh, Josh Sheen's got a bit of a back spasm, so he might not play on Saturday. But we also learned that having knocked his hip against Cheltenham, uh, Kyle Dempsey has suffered a bit of a an unwanted side effect uh, to that that particular injury, uh, which has prompted uh, prompted a bit of swelling where it shouldn't be really, and a bit a bit of discoloration. Um, none of which, all of which, is making me cry and cross my legs at this point in time. So um, you know, if you're listening, Demps, then you know, get well soon. For somebody. For somebody whose uh, whose wedding tackle was a brighter shade of pale, he did pretty well running about the other day against Barnsley. He did, yeah, and uh, and against Leeds. So, yeah, uh, yeah uh, fair play to him. <laughs> Sorry, uh, a sip of uh, sip of podcast juice, um, and we're going to just put a pin in the Filmer Ace post bag this week. Uh, we have got a couple of emails that I wanted to read out, but actually for, for editing purposes, we're going to leave until next week. Uh, but here is how to get in touch. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on thebuffmail at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L, all one word, at gmail.com. And... Sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Right, a quick game, Henry. Do you fancy a quick game? Yeah, sure. Right, we don't know what to call this one, so I haven't got a sting. I haven't got anything. I, I may or may not decide just to play something. Who knows? But uh, this one was sent in by a listener, uh, Luca Brown. And um, the rules of the game are pretty simple. So I'm going to play uh, three video clips of a Bolton Wanderers goal. Um, and I've, I've been fairly good with you. I've, I've, I've not done anything too obscure. So it's on. they're all available on YouTube. So I'm going to just play YouTube clips. Henry can't see these, obviously. Um, but I have to describe said clip without using the name of the club, the name of the stadium, where the stadium is, or the players' names. So this mm. is like, give us a clue. If For those that are old enough, uh, or charades... You know, whatever, charade, charades, potato, potato. Um, so this is Bolton Wanderers charades. What do you reckon? Yeah, okay, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy with this. I'm ready to go. This could go very well. It could go very badly. But I've got three video clips lined up. You probably are going to hear a little bit of crowd noise in the background uh, because I can't turn the volume down on my master thing here. So, you know... Uh, it doesn't matter. It's just going to add to the add to the thing. So, uh, would you like clip number one, two, or three first? Oh, uh, let's go in order. Let's go number one. Okay. So, right here is your first clip. 
So I've got to get my, into my commentary mode here. So see if you can guess which goal this is. Right. Okay. So there is a centre half, long angle ball to the left edge of the penalty area, and a, a, a young wing back who barely, rarely ever gets in the penalty box has just headed the ball to one of his teammates. Oh, and the teammates run behind the goal. He's picked up a hat. He's picked up a hat and now he's celebrating in front of the away end. He's, he's jumping up and down. It looks like it might be his birthday. Oh, that's Dapo against Ipswich. Oh, thank God you got that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was a full start in front of that. I might leave that in. <laughs> yeah, wait. yeah, although when you said you said Ricardo, I thought, oh, Gardner. And then when you... Uh... Yeah, then when you said hat, I thought, oh, no, it's Santos. Yes, Santos against Ipswich in the 5-2. OK, let's see if this one goes a little bit better. Long ball from the goalkeeper. It's flicked on by the bold guy. A little scurrying striker delivers it to the near post. Oh, my God, there's been an explosion. Something has exploded. A guy with a beard's now taken his shirt off. That is clearly a very important goal. What do you reckon? <laughs> uh, I was. I knew that as soon as you said the ball guy's head it flicked it on uh, but I was wanting you to finish uh, Wilbraham against Forrest there we go two for two right okay this one's a really weird one because the uh, the clip is not your standard TV type it's from the fans so I'm having to do oh. this as if I'm in with the fans but it was the, the only one I could get without commentary so anyway here we go uh, I can just see the back of fans right it's a free kick for, and that's driven in. Oh, it's absolutely wasted. The uh, the other team cleared to the halfway line. So then there's a long ball in. Oh, that guy heads it to the far post. It's another header. Oh, my word. What a fantastic goal. And that one looks like it might be really important. It might even send Bolton <laughs> towards the capital. And yes, that I was Chungies against, yeah, Chungies against Birmingham. Uh, go. I got that on the free kick right at the start. <laughs> do you remember I, the bad free I, I kick? Do. Who took that free yeah, kick? I, can, I can't remember who took it. It might be Wheater. Well, we've had this discussion before. Yeah, I think we said Wheater, and he uh, he kind of palmed it off on Paul Robinson, I think. So, or Armand. Was it Armand? It, it might, might have been, been Armand. Whoever took that has mm. absolutely shanked it, but it will forever be one of the most fantastic snookers in Bolton Wanderers history. That, ladies mm. and gentlemen, shows you, as we said at the top of the show, how difficult commentary can be when you are not at the game and with a decent vantage point. Um, but anyway, uh, I think you did very well there, Henry. I think we might try that again. Who knows? Um, if, yeah. you've got, if you've got an idea for the what that game could be called, by the way, please uh, please let us know. I mean, have you got any ideas straight off the bat? Uh, no, no, but I was just thinking if anyone would like to send in a suggestion of a goal and then send their transcript of what they'd say oh, as commentary for you to read out, uh, then uh, that could also work. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good idea. And and it means I wouldn't have to source it from YouTube either. Yeah, that's not a bad <laughs> idea at all. Yeah, so send in, your, send in your questions for Henry. Remember, you're not allowed to use the player name. You're not allowed to use the team name, even though I said Bolton at the end there. Um, you're not allowed to use the stadium name uh, or even which town you're in. Basically, basically, you just have to make it as hard as possible for Henry. So either way, yeah. it's, uh, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Let's do it. Uh, right, very qu quick mention for the Fantasy League, I think. Uh, 
is a quick mention because actually, as we're discussing this, there are games tonight and they're going to have an impact on certainly my league position because I've got uh, Pereira, Mitrovic, who's my captain this week, and uh, Danny Ward to play tonight, uh, as in Thursday. I dropped to 84th with the first couple of nights. Um, your team, Henry, I mean, your team, could you finish bottom of this whole thing? I possibly, at this point, I know I'm saying baby steps, but at this point, I think I possibly could. Um, I forgot that Brentford were playing Brighton, which is easy to do uh, last Friday. So mm-hmm. that means I didn't change my team in time. Um, Haaland obviously didn't score at the weekend. So that meant that the, uh, yeah, that, that I normally do well when he scores. And then this week, um, yeah, Kane had a, didn't have a great game the other night. So, uh, mm. yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah, it's not been it's not been a good month, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the remainder. Basically, it's a season of two halves. You know, we're going towards the World Cup, and then after that, that's when my triumphant return to uh, at least a respectable position will happen. Well, I hope so, Henry, because this is, I mean, ideally, there would have been an element of competition about uh, mine and your league positions, and maybe we could have had a little uh, trade-off as to who wins each week, but maybe we're going to have to wait until you decide to to start playing that uh, we do that, maybe. Uh, Just a quick mention before the top three, Max Sefton's maximum drama still just ahead of Rowan Baxendale's cruise control, but there are two new fighters in the game, Phil Bailey's Fat Fighters and Paul Gaskell's PG Tips Wanderers. Uh, right on their shoulder so that we could have some new faces at the top very soon now time for our predictions pass us me crystal ball what's happening next week prediction time there are two games before we next record a podcast Accrington as we've been discussing all the way through and then Burton at home so this is going to be a very good week or a very bad week for Bolton Wanderers, I guess. Yeah, it is two sides that we look at and think, well, we should be beating easily. Um, and it's not obviously the case mm. in League One. It's a very tough league. Uh, but yeah, we, we I think there's, we keep on talking about Bolton sort of laying ghosts to rest kind of thing. And, uh, and Accrington away is one of them. And Burton, which uh, are, are actually one of the teams that we haven't beaten. I think we've only got Sutton after Burton. So if we can get a win on Tuesday, that means we've beaten 91 of the 92 league teams. Um, so I think this could be a massive week for us. If we get two wins, I think it uh, it gets everyone on side again, everyone happy. Um, and, uh, and you know, we're we looking back up towards the top of the table. Um, it's going to be tough. I think the Atkinson game will be tough. I think the Burton game, they've turned it around a little bit and, we know how they'll play. They'll camp in. So, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. But I'm, I'm, don't know. I'm quietly confident. It's got to change at some time. So I think we can get a result at Accrington and Burton. I hope so. I hope so. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm feeling more confident after midweek and, and seeing them get a little bit of momentum going in there. I think had had they disappointed in midweek or failed to score, then I think I think the nerves would be jangling a little bit. But uh, I feel a bit better after seeing them score a few goals. Everything relaxed a little bit, I think, on certainly on Wednesday when we sat chatting with, with Ian Everett about the game. And, and he he said that the, the Accrington game last season, for example, the 1-0 defeat 
was probably the worst moments of his Bolton career in 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 the dugout. He really, I know he came in for some serious stick that day, both after the game and during the game. It was mm. a very ugly atmosphere at the time. It was Christmas, wasn't it? it was it was peeing down with rain, and obviously Bolton were not playing well. They had half a team out basically. Uh, a lot of injuries at that moment in time. It was a very, very uh, difficult time at, at that stage because it was all post Sarsvik. It was, it was all uh, Josh Sheehan had been injured, Disgrove had been injured, Santos uh, had been sent off. They got hammered at Fleetwood. It was a really bad time, and so I think for his sake, for Fyrian Everett's sake, I think for the team's sake, and for the club's sake, it would be nice to go to Accrington and just like you say exercise the demons and also it would make for an easy intro uh in halloween season <laughs> it would yeah and um I, i've got to say though and i know like you said there that i know at accrington when you don't get a good result it's very easy to to be able to get access to to say what you want to the players and i know last yeah. year it, it kind of spilled over a little bit um you know, I, I obviously it depends what happens on the pitch. If we get thumped, then you can't blame fans for getting upset. But I do, I do hope that the fans that are there, because it is a big day out. It's it's still for Bolton, one of those grounds that we fill half the ground. Everyone gets excited. Everyone is you know spends the day in the boozers leading up to it. Um, you know, hopefully the weather won't be wet and cold like it was last year. But um, yeah, I just hope that let's just. Let's just get on the lad's side. And if it isn't going right at half-time, try and just, I don't know, try and give encouragement rather than, than you know, shouting at certain players and, and telling them that we shouldn't be playing. Because, uh, yeah, we... we this the, the thing with Accrington's ground is, if you, I can imagine, and looking at Derby last week, actually, if you get a win, it's a, a, a great, great day, wonderful day. People remember it because it's a small ground and Bolton had half the attendance. But when you lose, it's just it's just very grim. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it can be a good day. Yeah, certainly had some, some grim days. But I'm with you. And then, then Burton, of course, that uh, I, I didn't realise that they were only two off the whole 92. Um, I'm trying to rack my brains to try and prove you wrong, but I don't think I can because they, they beat Accrington, obviously, last season at home. So that's one more off the, the, the list. Mm. And it been Harrogate. Yeah, you might be right there. You might be right. That might be a good stat. Sutton, we're coming for you, hopefully. Um, yeah, FA Cup round two. Oh, yes. I mean, that would do. Away from home, though, because that's one ground I haven't been to either, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, let's have, a, let's have a score prediction then for the two games. You know what, Aki? We're going to go. We're going to get a win. It'll be 2-0. Uh, and then Burton... Yeah, we it'll be tough, but I think we'll break them down early on, get a first goal, they'll have to come back out and we'll win 3-0. It's going to be a great week. Bolton are going to score five goals, get six points and uh, cement our place in the playoffs. I'm confident, Matt. I do not want to interrupt that flow of confidence by putting any air of pragmatism into this podcast. Uh, I'm with you. Two wins. Let's have a 3-2 at Accrington. 3-2 at Accrington and then I'm going to go back to a tight 1-0 at Burton but I'll take that because after the 3-2 we won't be talking about goals after that and also I'm having Dion Charles scoring from open play at Accrington as well how about that 
Oh, that would be the dream. It's going to be Nirvana. It's going to be Nirvana. Um, or maybe it will be the Smiths. Who knows? Uh, right. So we are... Well, that's all we've got time for, really. Um, but we are going to be seen out. Uh, seen out. Is that even... A, that's that's an awful English, I'll say. Um, right. To play us out this week uh, will be a song from uh, Simon Woods, our wonderful music man. And to celebrate Black History Month, he has compiled uh, a few of the absolutely fantastic black players who have played for Bolton Wanderers down the years some of the some of the most famous names um, including George Ogani who I'm trying to get a hold of for an interview and who is being just as elusive as he was for defenders in the mid 80s <laughs> but never mind until that point see you later celebrating black history month JJ Akacha skills you gotta watch Nicholas and Elka what a belter Nathan Blake Goals make no mistake Michael Ricketts Promotion bought the tickets Black players who scored the bolt And the heroes won it all Chris Fairclough None shall pass, fair enough Bruno Angotti Tackling and blocking El has juice So tricky, he raised the roof Ricardo Gardner Left footed skills like a sparkler Black History Month. One more time. Black players who played the Bolton Heroes, one and all.